Hey friends, good to be back. This is the third episode of Keep Polite with the World, and the world will keep polite with you. As you know, we've been doing Bible readings uh, every day, at least one chapter, and breaking it down for us to see how that knowledge uh, actually can help us be more polite individuals and actually keep the world polite through that. You know, I'm thinking about calling these sessions, I'm thinking about naming them, um, Things got twisted from the beginning. And I say got twisted, not that they were twisted, but things got twisted in the beginning or, or something of the sort, yeah. Uh, because we're seeing how things just went haywire from the very beginning of, of time. As soon as man stepped into the picture, everything was great. The creation was going fantastic, right? Seven days of creation and whatnot, which are not literal seven days. But anyway, the thing is... Um, uh, it, as soon as man came into the picture, it was just, everything just went haywire, complete chaos, right? And it's been that way ever since then. But uh, like I said, whatever we see in, 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 in the world now is something that, as, as we have been reading, uh, started from the very beginning of, of time and of man's existence, right? So we want to get right down to it. There's a lot of interesting points, um, and really we're, we're trying to we're trying to see this not from a theocratic or a religious standpoint, but just how Genesis and the rest of the Bible help us to understand how things are in the world now and how it is that we can counter that, if you will, by being polite and and being courteous and respectful of of ourselves, of our family members, of of society, of rules. And, of course, of God in itself, right? So, um, thank you for joining us, and, and thank you for all your support. As you know, we're going to do English first and then Spanish. So, if you don't hear Spanish from the very beginning, si no oís el castellano desde un principio, don't worry. No os preocupéis. Sooner or later, we'll be there. All right? So, let's get going with Genesis 3. Today, we're going to do Genesis 3 and 4. And we're going to break it down quite nicely. Like I said, a lot of interesting points in Genesis 3 and 4. Genesis 3 and 4, or at least Genesis 3, reads in the following way. It says, Now the serpent was the most cautious of all the wild animals of the field that Jehovah God had made. So it said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from every tree of the garden? At this the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God has said about the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, You must not eat from it. No, you must not touch it. Otherwise you will die. At this the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. For God knows that in the very day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and bad. Consequently, the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was something desirable to the eyes. Yes, the tree was pleasing to look at. So she began taking of its fruit and eating it. Afterward, she also gave some to her husband when he was with her, and he began eating it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loin coverings for themselves. Later, 
They heard the voice of Jehovah God as he was walking in the garden about the breezy part of the day. And the man and his wife hid from the face of Jehovah God among the trees of the garden. And Jehovah God kept calling to the man and saying to him, Where are you? Finally, he said, I, I heard your voice in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. At that, he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, so I ate. Jehovah God then said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman replied, The serpent deceived me, so I ate. Then Jehovah God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are the cursed one out of all the domestic animals and out of all the wild animals of the field. On your belly you will go, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will crush your head, and you will strike him in the heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase the pain of your pregnancy. In pain you will give birth to children, and your longing will be for your husband, and he will dominate you. And to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife's voice, and ate from the tree concerning which I gave you this command, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground on your account. In pain you will eat its produce all the days of your life. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, and you must eat the vegetation of the field. In the sweat of your face you will eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. After this, Adam named his wife Eve, because she was to become the mother of everyone living. And Jehovah God made long garments from skins for Adam and for his wife to clothe them. Jehovah God then said, here the man has become like one of us in knowing good and bad. Now in order that he may not put his hand out and take fruit also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. With that Jehovah God expelled him from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he had been taken. So he drove the man out and he posted at the east of the garden of Eden the cherubs and the flaming blade of a sword that was turning continuously to guard the way to the tree. Of life. I'd like to point out that the Bible verse says that the snake was the most cautious. How can a snake or serpent be the most cautious or sly of all? If that is the case, something doesn't quite add up. Obviously, there was something or someone behind the scenes. Because first of all, have any of you ever heard a snake speak? Ever? If so, let us know where and when. What did they tell you? If, on the other hand, you haven't heard a snake speak and you saw this, you would definitely see there's something fishy here. You would be cautious yourself and notice that there is something that, like a puppet, is majestically manipulating the snake to speak to you. The snake or whoever is operating behind the scenes, clearly Satan the devil, could be cautious, but we can be also. In fact, we have to be cautious. Just like the puppeteer, there are authentic deceit masters 
in the world where we have to be careful with such as marketing and sales gurus who know exactly what colors, sounds, and shapes they need to use to sway you to convince yourself that you need a certain product. Notice, they sway you to convince yourself that you need a new certain product. Tricks of the trade to convince you that something is what it really isn't. As an example, I went shopping for a bottle of wine the other day and some bonbons. And as I had been invited to a friend's house for dinner, and I hate showing up empty-handed. It's just something that's not really polite to show up empty-handed when you get invited. Well, I chose a bottle of wine that any other time of the year would cost about five euros. But they had a sign that read two for one, which is a very common thing to do when businesses are trying to get rid of stock. The problem with this two-for-one was that I was really a one-for-one or two-for-two in the sense that the sign read two-for-one, but the bottle of wine cost 10 euro that day as it was around Christmas time. I always say the more you give clients, the more business you generate for yourself as clients feel valued and that you're taking care of their pocket. You know what I mean? Normally, a two-for-one is, in simple terms, if a pizza costs 15 euro and the pizza party gives you two pizzas for that same 15 euro, that's a two-for-one. What this shop did was try to get me to buy two bottles for the same price when it should have been two bottles for five euros and not two bottles for double what one cost. If that's what you're doing, don't put up the little sign that says two for one. Simply. Thinking about that, I must be cautious myself and know what I want as well as what I'm willing to pay for it. We have to do our homework or research to be familiar with prices before we shop in order to avoid being tricked this way. We have to, as it were, be expert shoppers to not be engulfed by these sales or marketing experts who make ridiculous and immoral amounts of money because they know how to deceive. When that money comes from your hard and arduous work, your effort to go to bed early and wake up earlier, our commutes to and from work, our 8 to 12 hours of work days, our working more than one job to make ends meet, our finding and paying a babysitter to watch our children while we work to get it done, our holding back from eating out in order to save for what? For them to have their fancy vacation homes in Andorra or on the beach site because they are sly and repeat unknown formula year after year after year, especially when holidays come around. Because we are speaking about who we deal with, I keep in mind the people we let into our lives as friends, partners, associates, employees, and whatnot because, as you know, one small step in the wrong direction could prove disastrous, even fatal. I give the benefit of the doubt to all of mankind. I really do. I believe in people and the power of people working together and in redemption and second chances. That's all fine and dandy. I've needed a few second chances myself. After all, there is only one devil, but, the, but both the Bible as well as experience have shown me that there are people who resemble the devil a lot, knowingly or unknowingly, by the choices they make or the way they act or speak. And they may fool me once, but fool me twice. Yeah, I may not be the smartest person, but that's very difficult for, to, for me to allow to happen. Let's move on. That's the first point that I found, and I want you to give thought to that. In verses 5 to 7, we see, the very first lie that was told. And just because this was the first lie was not, uh, does not make it the, the least of lies, but rather the greatest lie of all, right? It was that God was depriving them of something and that they wouldn't die. Well, why is it the biggest lie? Because, of course, that's the very same thing that would happen 
is that they and their descendants would all die because they disobeyed. Man is a, is a very superior being, is incredibly intelligent, uh, but to think himself equal or superior to God is a flagrant foul and a flagrant lack of respect, not only to God, but also to himself. The same mistake that man makes nowadays is to take God out of the equation and try to substitute him with other factors or other elements that simply won't mesh the same way. Politics, science, war, etc. Strangely enough, when things get twisted, when things go catastrophic, who do we normally remember? Who do we normally think of immediately? Why? Why do we think of God in these moments? Well, because we reason within ourselves, hey, if he's in charge of everything, and he, if he created everything, if he's behind everything, then our catastrophe must be his fault. How unfair is that, isn't it? I mean, we're quite cheeky in thinking that, aren't we? We don't want God to tell us how to live. We don't want to live by his standards and abide by them. Even though he's the one that's given us life. And then... When we have to abide by his standards, because like we said before, rules are there to be followed, right? For our own good even. But we normally try to think of uh, authority or God's authority as when our, our parents used to tell us uh, during our adolescence, you can't go here, you can't hang around with that one, you can't come home late, and we want to do our own thing. But when things mess up, when we, when, when we mess up and our life goes out of control, who do we normally think about? Well, our parents, right? Who do we normally resort to? Well, our parents. God is in the same way. He tells us, don't do this. It's not good for you. Don't don't follow on this course. It's not good for you. Went, no, you leave me alone. It's my own life. I can handle it. I've, I've got free will and I'm going to use it. Things go haywire. Please, God, forgive me, right? So that's a, it's a good point that verses 5 to 7 make is to not take God out of the equation and not be fooled by the lies and, and, and deception that is out there, right? That we can live our own lives, that we can decide to do whatever we want to do. And there are a lot, a lot of marketing schemes are out there saying, you know, you be you, you do what you've got to do, you do you and whatnot. <laughs> Has that ever worked? I kind of I want to tell man, uh, how's that working out for you, right? Well, I guess I guess in sharing this podcast, I, I kind of I'm telling man, how's that worked out for us? It really hasn't, folks. It really hasn't, uh, and and so you know we just got to come back to the basics, if you will. So that's one interesting point that I found from verses five to seven, uh, from uh, chapter three, uh, verses twelve and thirteen show us the behavior of Adam and Eve, for example. Not one of them took responsibility for their mistakes, but rather they blamed the one that they had next to them. Uh, in English, we know the very famous expression, throw you under the bus, which nobody would do in their right mind, is to grab someone and literally throw them under a bus, right? Unless they were, what, psychopathic homicides? And since we're not, right, since we're not psychopathic homicides, then what's the reasonable thing for us to do? It's a lot more reasonable and 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 uh, sensible for us to take responsibility for our decisions and our actions because it's a lot easier to blame others when we're trying to get away with 
with dealing with the consequences of our actions. But we do well to remember that when we point the finger at someone, there are three pointers fingers back at us. I know you learned this back in kinder, right? But it's true. <laughs> you learned this back in kinder and then you forgot it. Yeah, you kind of ignored it. Right. And I'm talking to you, man. And, and I include myself in that. I mean, uh, oh, no, no, no. Uh, the, the, the woman you gave me, what? <laughs> the woman you gave me. Ouch. Right. Because not only is he blaming Eve, but he's also kind of indirectly blaming God for having him having given that woman to him. Right. So uh, at the same time, we're, we're not just we're not just signaling. We're not just pointing fingers. We're also kind of showing God really what we're all about right and so when we blame others again it, it just just by by logic there are three fingers pointing back at you but also it's disrespectful in general right especially if we were the ones that decided to do what we wanted to do why because it's dishonest it's some it's someone who's so cheeky and has no shame whatsoever and of course since we want to keep the world polite we are not like that so then what's the best thing for us to do is to take responsibility for our actions and decide well so that if we have to take responsibility for our actions, that responsibility is more of a price than it is anything else. Verse 15 speaks of the promises that God makes to all of Adam and Eve's descendants, right? All of his creation. These are wonderful promises that we can read in verse 15. Which it wasn't just the promises, but it was also the prophecies, right? Uh, the 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 two uh, the two seeds, if you will. I would put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will crush your head, and you will strike him in the heel. In case you don't know uh, who that re- is referring to, obviously it's referring to the seed of Satan and the seed of Jesus Christ, right? Uh, and and of course we we know that that he uh, that he struck him in the heel when Jesus Christ died for all of mankind. That was the biggest blow that he could have taken. But notice, Jesus Christ crushes him in the head, which is a deadly, fatal blow, right? And so um, we have we have hope because of that, which obviously calls for a lot of gratitude. Now, here we're speaking about these two seeds, which we see that there's enmity between them already from the very beginning. And so we know uh, this kind of explains why there's an ongoing and incessant uh, war between good and bad. There's always been a war between good and bad, even in the movies, right? Um, the dark side, <laughs> things like that, versus the good side and, and whatnot. Uh, Neo and, and, and uh, you know, and... Uh, Agent, uh, I believe it was Sanders, if I'm not mistaken, The Matrix. You know, there's just movies and movies and movies about good and bad, right? The, the, the good always wins, however, right? And so take note of that. If the good side always wins, sure, you can prolong the, the, you can prolong the short battles that the dark and bad side wins, but ultimately the good side wins. And I think, I think for the most part, we're all rooting for the, for the, good side to win right we're all rooting for the good guy <laughs> we, don't, we don't want the bad guy to win i mean at least most of us don't right and so you know if if the good guy always wins or the good side always wins that should tell us 
which side we should be on. Now think about it this way, okay? If the descendants or the seed of the woman would be mankind, and then there's a seed of the serpent, so to speak, right? Isn't it logical to want to be part of the seed of the woman, where after all we come from woman, right? Just by logic, without getting too deep, too profound in the prophecy. If we come from women, if we come from woman, we want, we're, we're naturally her seed, right? Have, you don't want to be part of the serpent's seed, is what I'm saying here, right? So, it's just mere logic. Mere logic tells us that we want to be on the good side. We want to be on the winning side. We want to be on the side of God. And we can only accomplish that by being good people. We can only accomplish that by proving that we imitate the wonderful qualities and attributes of God, our Creator, from the very beginning. Verses 16 to 24 tell us that just as Jehovah God took measures, right? Well, there are companies, authorities, societies that also take measures to make sure that those who do the crime do the time. Hence, if we are willing, or rather if we're not willing to pay the price, if we're not willing to do the time, or we're not mature enough to accept that uh, our decisions come with consequences, well, the easiest thing to do is for us to decide carefully and for us to decide well and not do what may place us uh, in, in that situation or, or what we please. Because remember, what is right is not always popular. But what is popular is not always right. Yeah, There are consequences to everything we do. We've spoken about this many times. There's action, reaction. And so in this case, we want to take the lead in a, in, in a positive way. We want to have positive actions, right? How can we do that? Well, knowing that every action we perform has a reaction or a consequence, and we want to, we want to uh, always lead with positive actions, positive even reinforcing uh, actions in society, which will cause a chain reaction, if you will, towards positive actions onto others. We could uh, give you a lot of examples um, as, how, as far as how to drive carefully uh, or, for example, not smoke in areas where or closed areas where you're not allowed to smoke. But keeping the world polite goes far beyond that. It goes to the root of things, right? And so it begins with small actions like, you know, hygiene, having hygiene, appropriate hygiene, brushing our teeth, making sure our mouths and our bodies are clean, right? Uh, speak correctly, for example, or even, uh, and, and then, you know, from, from these small things, that carries on and, and it transcends other things such as helping others, like, for example, allowing other older people to take our seat in buses, right? Uh, because they can't, they can't stay, uh, standing for too long, right? So we see that, they, that they're frail, that they may fall. What's the natural thing to do? Well, we want to do that. We want to take the lead in doing that. We want to hold the door for them as they're walking in. And especially if we see that they're, that they're quickly approaching. Well, why not hold the door for them to, to come through it, right? This could cause uh, them to actually feel good and, and want to imitate that example, right? Because it's kind of like a pay-it-forward type situation. They do it to you, well, you, you feel like you got to 
pay it forward and, and, and do it to someone else. But if that's not the case, at least you have uh, started a chain reaction within yourself, which will take you to perform other small little actions, small, small but not less significant or less important, like you know, driving carefully and attentively and have some sort of defensive driving uh, and, and not only, you know, not only take care of how we drive, but also looking at all angles, looking uh, in the rearview mirror, etc., to make sure that other drivers are also driving carefully. Um, this could lead us to other actions such as practicing mindfulness and being aware of our surroundings because, you know, if, if we do this, we we're likely to stay out of trouble. We're likely to have less accidents, uh, and we're likely to be able to help those in need. We're likely to be able to pay our taxes, etc. If we don't do this, and and this is not the way we perform, it's very likely that we will end up even losing friendships, moments, opportunities, relationships, and this obviously will lead us to close doors on ourselves that we once thought open. Or were open completely like Adam and Eve did when they lost their way into the Garden of Eden. Uh, that they can only look at at a distance because they were not able to enter any more after they were expelled from the Garden of Eden. So, again, action, reaction, right? And take responsibility for, for our actions. Value the fact that we actually have a hope. And at the same time, not let ourselves be deceived or not let ourselves be fooled or tricked into buying things and, and doing things, you know, like uh, influencers in the world are selling you uh, fashion and they're selling you a life of luxury and a life of commodities and amenities and they're showing you a life of just like absolute fun and bliss. Not all that glitters is gold, friends. Not all that glitters is gold. And so... Uh, we do well to, to consider that, yeah? So let's move on and take a look at Genesis 4, where it says, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, I have produced a male child with the help of Jehovah. Later she again gave birth to his brother Abel. Abel became a shepherd of the flock, but Cain became a cultivator of the ground. After some time, Cain brought some fruits of the lamb as an offering to Jehovah. But Abel brought some firstlings of his flock, including their fat. While Jehovah looked with favor on Abel on his offering, he did not look with any favor on Cain and on his offering. So Cain grew hot with anger and was dejected. Then Jehovah said to Cain, Why are you so angry and dejected? If you turn to doing good, Will you not be restored to favor? But if you do not turn to doing good, sin is crouching at the door, and its craving is to dominate you. But will you get the mastery over it? After that, Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go over into the field. So while they were in the field, Cain assaulted his brother Abel and killed him. Later on, Jehovah said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's guardian? At this he said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed in banishment from the ground that has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. 
When you cultivate the ground, it will not give you back its produce. You will become a wanderer and a fugitive in the earth. At this Cain said to Jehovah, The punishment for my error is too great to bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your face. And I will become a wanderer and a fugitive on the earth. And anyone who finds me will certainly kill me. So Jehovah said to him, For that reason, anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times. So Jehovah set up a sign for Cain in order that no one finding him would strike him. Then Cain went away from before Jehovah and took up residence in the land of exile, to the east of Eden. Afterward, Cain had sexual relations with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Then he engaged in building a city and named the city after his son Enoch. Later, Irad was born to Enoch, and Irad became father to Mehujael, and Mehujael became father to Methushael, and Methushael became father to Lamech. Lamech took two wives for himself. The name of the first was Ada, and the name of the second was Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal. He was the founder of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the founder of all those who play the harp and the pipe. Also, Zillah gave birth to Tubal Cain, who forged every sort of tool of copper and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Naima. Then Lamech composed these words for his wives, Ada and Zillah. Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Give ear to my saying. A man I have called for wounding me. Yes, a young man for striking me. If seven times Cain is to be avenged, then Lamech seventy-seven times. Adam again had sexual relations with his wife, and she gave birth to a son. She named him Seth, because, as she said, God has appointed for me another offspring in order in place of Abel, because Cain killed him. There was also born to Seth a son, and he named him Enosh. At that time, people began calling on the name of Jehovah. So, very interesting points that we see here. The first one being, uh, it's found in verses 3, 4, all the way down to 7, where... Quite simply put, Cain presents some of his fruits, some of his fruits, whereas if Abel presents the best, the, even the fat, right, of the intestines and whatnot to Jehovah. Now, there's a thing about it, right? And this applies not only to service to God and, or, you know, um, loving your partner or whatnot. This applies in all aspects, in all fields, Right? We give our best every single time. We give our best to God. We give our best to our jobs. We give our best to our schooling. We give our best to our relationship. We give our best to our friendships. And we give our best to our family. This will also help us live more happily knowing, living with a clear conscience, a clean conscience, that we're, that we're doing our absolute best, Right? Nothing gets in the way of that, and so we, you know, those around us can definitely sense that, right? That they, they can feel that effect of our trying our absolute best, okay? So let's not 
let's not leave anyone short or or feeling short because of the lack of effort, right? Just like Cain did. Yes, he brought something, but he brought something as if, you know, just a passive gift, if you will. He didn't bring his best. Now, if you think about it, in jobs, for example, right? And this isn't always the case because we are in an unfair world. But if you think about it, those who receive promotions, those who receive pay raises, those who... Uh, are favored by the bosses are not the slackers, <laughs> right? Some slackers may be able to fool their, their their bosses, but bosses are bosses for a reason. They can certainly detect all this stuff, right? Um, normally, the people who get these pay raises, who get considered for other jobs and, and who get uh, promotions and whatnot are the people who work hard, the people who are there punctually, the people who are uh, polite, Right, the people who are mindful, thoughtful, and kind, and considerate, and responsible. This defines a responsible, polite person, right? And so, all these all these wonderful qualities are usually rewarded by smart employers who know who works and who gives their best and gives their all, and who gives that half-hearted effort, if you will, right? So, if you want to be one of these people. Uh, sometimes some people are looked over, of course. I'm not going to say that that doesn't happen. But if you definitely want to be considered for a higher salary or for a promotion of some sort, you cannot get there with half-hearted efforts. You must do your best in order to make that happen. Let's look at verse verses uh, 8 through 10, where we read that... Uh, A guilty conscience, right? A guilty conscience could, could, or or not, not could. I'm I'm pretty sure, is is a a very difficult thing to live with, right? If you'll notice here, Cain directs himself to God in a bitter way, right? After he killed his brother, he knew what he'd done, and he was daring and bold enough to be cynical with God by asking, "What am I?" My brother's keeper. I mean, could you imagine directing yourself to God with such cynicism and sarcasm? What am I? My brother's keeper? Like God didn't know that he'd already assaulted and killed him? That's why God warns him that he's going down the wrong path. It could be that we could be Or we probably wouldn't be very cynical with God. But are we cynical with those that surround us? Do we do this sort of thing? Do we have this sort of attitude like, I don't know, trying to get away with things? Again, folks, if that's the case, we know what we're doing. The conscience is the one that's going to either excuse or accuse us. And more often than not, it accuses us, right? So to the point where where at some point or another, we're just going to snap, right? Somebody's going to say something. If, if we know we've done something bad, very likely we're going to snap. And, 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 and then, of course, people will know that we're the ones that, that did it. So we, you can get away with certain things, but not for too long. The truth catches us all. So all, we, all, all it takes, right, is... You know, running into that wrong person, wrong place at the wrong time, if you will, right? We can, we can be 
we can be cynical with our friends, we can be cynical with our family members, but we run into a perfect stranger and we give that person attitude, we don't know what could happen, but we don't want to run into the wrong person who will, you know, is probably someone who's wrathful, uh, someone who's vengeful and, 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 and is, getting, is likely going to react to our taunting him or being cynical with him and, and, you know, things could get pretty messy, right? So we want to be careful not to do that, even with our family members and friends, to avoid having that happen with a perfect stranger. And all it is is, is a reality check about our attitudes, right? We need to keep aggressiveness and wrath out of our lives as much as we possibly can. We need to keep it in check. We need to keep it under control because when things like this happen, you know, someone cuts you off on the road. Some people get really irate and they go behind. They, they, they go driving, uh, you know, chasing the, the driver that cut them off just so they can give him the finger and whatnot. Now, imagine that driver. If he was willing to cut you off in such a violent way, is he not willing to just bump your car and make you have an accident, making things a lot worse? Well, yes, logic tells you that they might. I mean, they, they might just do it. So we definitely don't want to test them in that way. Notice how also in verses 19 onward, uh, where Lamech uh, is showing us that he took two wives. And it, it didn't take too long. It was only three generations past Adam where things were already going a different route, right? How quickly things got out of hand from the established order. When, when man already wants to do what he wants, and a, uh, Cain was the one that showed us, well, Adam was the one that showed us, and then Cain came right after and did whatever he wanted, and he, he killed his brother, and then, you know, he went off. And then uh, his son had children, and then came Lamech, uh, who did not, as Adam put it, leave his wife to adhere or to stick to his one wife, but he did it for two wives, not more than three generations that, that, that Adam came to be and then, and then Lamech who already is doing what he doesn't, you know, obviously this is, this is so selfish on his behalf, right? And it creates some sort of, you know, a sick feeling of what I do what I want. And if I want to take two wives by all means, right? Uh, I remember a show a few years ago, um, where, where uh, the husband asks his wife, he says, "Honey, can we have a can we have a threesome tonight?" And she looked at him, and she smiled, very coy, and she told him, "Let's graduate on satisfying one woman, so that we can even think about satisfying two. And that's kind of the thing, right? I mean, we all know how. How difficult things could be in a relationship. We all know how difficult things could could be trying to please our partner, right? Not just women, but also men, right? Um, we're all kind of very hard to please, aren't we? And so that's kind of the thing here is we we you know <laughs> we need to focus. Uh, we need to focus basically, right? Is is I the lesson that I take away is we need to focus, and and if we have a partner, we need to focus on that partner. Never mind who passes us by. Never mind if we think the grass is greener. Never mind if, you know, if we see someone who's more attractive and da-da-da. No one's perfect. No one reaches that level of perfection. 
but you've spent time, you've spent money, you've spent resources, you've spent sleepless nights for and with this person. And, and even then, sometimes, what might happen here is, you know, they, are, they may not be happy with you at the moment, right? And that's because you've, you've done something that has set them off. You've done something that's triggered them and you've done something that has upset them. And now they're not satisfied. They're not satiated. They're not pleased, right? And yet you're thinking about having two or more women. Hmm. <laughs> Good luck with that, right? If you will. Um, so obviously, you know, we, like I said, we want to focus because I'm sure Lamech enjoyed his time with his wives, if you will. But at the same time, he w he wasn't free of disputes. He wasn't free of jealousy. He wasn't free of, of, of fights between their children, be fights between their wives who didn't want to share or had to take turns being with him, etc. It just, it's nonsensical, right? And like I said, if we focus on pleasing the person that we are with, things likely will go a lot better. And it's just part of being considered and being thoughtful, right? Which a polite person does. Now, in verses 25, we see that Adam again had relations with his wife Eve, right? And um, interesting, Eve. Uh, I've always, I've always thought this, but it, it says that he named her Eve. That's E V E, because she was to be the mother of everyone living. In other words, the mother of E V E, re one living, right? So it's it's kind of funny how that works out. Um, that doesn't happen in a lot of languages, but in, in English it does. So we can definitely learn a lot from that. Um, however, what we want to focus on is the fact that uh, there were two seeds, right? We've spoken about the two seeds in verses 15 of, of chapter 3. And so the seed was originally Abel, who was killed by Cain. So bad triumphed in this case, right? But they, they it would not triumph forever. Of course, if Abel died, then who replaced him? Who took over that seed? Well, this is Seth, right? And so that ongoing, again, that ongoing war between good and bad had to keep up, and in fact, still keeps up to our day. But we know that sooner or later, that movie has to finish. Sooner or later, good has to win. Good has to prevail. And of course, like I said before, we need to pick the winning side. Um, there's a there's a a song by Twenty One Pilots called Car Radio, and in their verse uh, in their verses um, for Car Radio, somewhere around the 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 bridge, if you will, of the of the song, um, Tyler Joseph says something really interesting. And this is the thought that I want to leave you with. He says, and I just want to—I just want to quote this right because I have much respect for this group. But he says, "I have these thoughts so often I yacht to replace that slot with what I once bought, because someday, because somebody stole my car radio." And now I just sit in silence. I ponder of something terrifying, because this time there's no sound to hide behind. 
I find over the course of our human existence, one thing consists of consistence. And it's that we're all battling fear. Oh dear, I don't know if we know why we're here. Oh my, too deep. Please stop thinking. I liked it better when my car had sound. And here's the killer. There are things we can do, but from the things that work, there are only two. And from the two that we choose to do, peace will win and fear will lose. It is faith and there's sleep. We need to pick one, please. Because faith is to be awake. And to be awake is for us to think. And for us to think is to be alive. And I will try with every rhyme to come across like I am dying to let you know you need to try to think. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope that you've enjoyed it and we hope that you will benefit greatly from this message. Thanks for all your support and we hope to have you right back here with us when we read chapter 5 and onward.